Sean Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is a jam-packed Locked On Cardinals, which is brought to you by Peacock and Williamson NFL analyst Brian Peacock, former NFL scout Matt Williamson, host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt will give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering the latest news, insight on every game, team, and move around the league. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with Peacock and Williamson's podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I just flew right into it because we don't have any time. We've got our guy Johnny Venerable from Revenge of the Birds, of course, writes for Revenge of the Birds. He's on the podcast, Revenge of the Birds podcast with Blake Murphy. Of course, my co-host Alex Clancy, and today we wrap up our conversation with Stephen Baca, longtime friend, trainer of Kyler Murray. He's going to give us some insight into how Kyler Murray is preparing for his third NFL season because we hadn't heard a peep from Kyler Murray about how he was preparing for the uh, 2021 season. Now Stephen Baca is going to provide us with more than a peep on today's episode. Also, a well-respected um, I guess NFL analyst expert. He said some pretty surprising things about Kyler Murray and his ability to throw the football. We'll get into that. But uh, Johnny, welcome back. We're, we're excited to talk to you each and every Friday. We're excited to have you on our new YouTube channel for Locked On AZ Cards. Jake Butt, a guy who worked out with the Arizona Cardinals, the tight end position, continues to not have really anybody that this team can honestly rely upon to catch passes and, and move the football. You wrote about just the futility of the, the the position recently. I don't know what your thoughts are. What, what do you think? Is, is it just Zach Ertz or bust at this point for this organization? Hey, gentlemen, thank you, thank you again for having me on. And uh, yeah, I you know the the Zach Ertz situation is interesting. I think it makes the most sense. He's got ties to Arizona. It's just dealing with Howie Roseman, the, the GM for Philadelphia, is always tricky. They don't have a fourth-round pick next year. Of course, they moved it to, to move up for Marco Wilson this year. I think a third is probably a little too rich if you were to ask the majority of the fan base. I would have no problem with it. I'm not sure the Cardinals are, are going to be keen to do that, um, especially with the money that's tied up. Ertz is owed $12 million this year. There are people who think he's just going to be outright released. That clearly, it hasn't happened yet. And then you've got you know other lesser t- – Tier names, Njoku out of uh, Cleveland. Maybe you could pry O.J. Howard from from Tampa. They've just got an embarrassment of riches at the position. A couple other guys, you know, are, are options. But I think Ertz is the, the most competent option to immediately come in. Listen, he was hurt last year, but he still had over 300 yards. Before that, he averaged just under 1,000 yards per season between 2017 to 2019 somebody that you can consistently count on for at least five-plus touchdowns, and that's with an inconsistent quarterback in Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. Um, And I think the people who are dismissing this do not remember how much of a focal point at times Dan Arnold was and how many targets he received. And for the people who were clamoring on about, you know, and personnel, which if you don't know is four wide receivers set in a single back, Rondell Moore hasn't played a full season since 2018. That's not realistic to expect out of the gate. A.J. Green, he could be completely shot at this point. And then you've got, 
you're overly relying on Hopkins and then Christian Kirk's too inconsistent. You have to have somebody else. And, you know, whether it's Ertz or, I, you know, Burton or Ninjoku, I don't, I don't care who it is, but what they're trotting out right now is not good enough in, in 2021's NFL. Um, I used to say, I mean, I, I, Zach Ertz would be an interesting choice, obviously, depending on the, the money and if you can move it around, if you have to add some dummy years, extend him, whatever, and what the cost would be if they don't cut him. Um, but I'm starting to think that the moves they made this offseason were more important. Like the Cardinals had a lot of holes. You know, you needed getting a reliable pass rusher and JJ Watt kind of came out of nowhere. You got your center uh, for hopefully the, you know, the next three or four years, five years, depending on him staying healthy. Um, you got a wide receiver too. That's who they targeted. I mean, at least Steve Kime had a plan. And Steve Kime doesn't seem to always look like he has a plan. At least he had a plan. Now, with tight ends, with Dan Arnold, I don't necessarily agree. I mean, yeah, he was fine in the red zone, he had a handful of touchdowns. Um, took away looks from with from DeAndre Hopkins, which may have been counterproductive, in, even though they ended in touchdowns in the grand scheme of DeAndre Hopkins as an Arizona Cardinal. But what I remember from Dan Arnold is bad false starts and inopportune <laughs> times and really bad drops down the stretch. Hmm. Like the reason why I remember that is because New Orleans Saints fans were in my mention saying this is why he's not a New Orleans Saint anymore. Yeah. Even Ross Jackson, our fearless leader here for the NFL portion of locked on of, of the locked on podcast network he's locked on saints guy he's like yeah that's why he's not a new orleans saint anymore he's a converted Those wide receiver that's though. what i remember i mean he's a he, he was another guy that they, was making the, the switch it's not an easy transition as much as people say no. well you just throw on some weight and you you, you block a little. larry fitzgerald's a great blocker he could block at the tight no it's completely different like we've seen guys just get eaten up and spit out at the nfl level just because it's so important. It, it's such a different game, especially blocking on the line and having to pick up those edge. You're going to put a 37-year-old Larry Fitzgerald to pick up an edge rusher? I mean, that's that that's what, how you're going to send him off into retirement? You're going to kill the guy? Like, you're basically, that's homicide right there. That That's murder. You're murdering your, your franchise icon. I mean, I understand that he can be a threat and he can be a big body in the red zone and stuff like that. It's just not, it's just not realistic. But I understand what Johnny's saying, and, and, and Alex, you were you were big on the Dan Arnold. I mean, the thing is, the options that they have right now, Ross Travis, a former basketball player, a guy that's been in the league since 2016. We're not talking about, like, they're trying this. This is his second season. 2016, he's been in the league a while and hasn't done much. Uh, you've got uh, – I love Max Williams. He runs like a Lego man. He can't, like, take a stride beyond, <laughs> like, a, a half a step. Great blocking tight end. I think Jake Butt could have been like the successor to the Max Williams because he's an underrated blocker. But as far as playmakers, man, th- that's why a guy like Trey Burton's intriguing because we know that you can use him gadget plays, and it- it's a pr- it's an issue. And I I do hear what you're saying though, Alex. I think that there were big like building the lines, building the offensive line, getting Mason Cole moving his head twice a game, and and getting called for penalties right back to back. That was just it was backbreaking. Uh, yeah, and I, yeah. I'm in no way saying that Dan Arnold should have been a priority over no. Rodney Hudson or JJ. Watt but look at what they have left. Not where have they a, are not have a plan. It, yeah. there, there's not a plan at the position, and I do think Kime misjudged the market for for the position. I mean, the two yeah. guys that New England went and signed out immediately, Hunter Henry, and then the other name escapes me. I mean, they cleaned up that Johnny that position Griffin. got cleaned up. Yep. Yeah. At like 48 hours into free agency. Even Kyle Rudolph I, didn't spend time Kyle, on the market. Yeah. Yep. So it's just, you know, it's one of those things where 
it's looked at as a luxury position, but you've got very competent, if not elite level tight ends within the division, of course, led by George Kittle. It's a difference maker that, you know, the, the Cardinals just historically have never had. And I think that's why it's so dejecting for me to watch them put time in the development of Dan Arnold and then to just kind of cast it off and say, well, we're going to save $6 million. Okay, what's, what's the go-to this year? Because I haven't seen you run effectively 10 personnel since you've gotten to Arizona on a consistent basis, Cliff. But I have seen you utilize the tight end at, at times. And, you know, say what you want about Dan Arnold. I mean, he was schemed open in a lot of ways. And so I think that that's a benefit if you find an athletic, you know, comparison to be able to plug and play somebody who is also 6'5". Um, and, that again, that's why I thought, okay, maybe they'll go – with Fryer move for somebody like that in the draft, a mid-round prospect that they can groom with Kyler, because I think Kyler benefits from that, especially with these targets that are over 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". And that's why I think Dan got so many targets. Cardinals are predominantly small outside of Hopkins and A.J. Green offensively, especially with, with Rondell Moore. Um, and, of course, you know, Zach Hurd certainly fits the bill. I think he's just under 6'5". So, I mean, they have options and they have time, most importantly. But I, I am just concerned that when the passing game is stagnant this year, of course, you know, they're going to lean on the run game with the inclusion of Hudson uh, and James Conner. You just you can't go, you know, go for broke at that position and have nothing in-house, nothing that you can lean on. And, again, Cl- Kingsbury's offense is, you know, it's not simplistic enough, I don't think, for somebody to sign midseason and pick it up right away. But then again, Dan Arnold did. So I, I'm anxious to see what they do. I just think that Alex, to your point, when you go for broke in the off season, you can't just have one huge glaring hole on your roster, not filled before the year. Yeah. Johnny Venerable, he joins us every Friday here on the Locked On Cardinals podcast. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy. Follow us all on Twitter at Clancy's Corner, at B-O-B-R-A-C-K, at Johnny Venerable, and Locked On AZ Cards. You mentioned the 10 personnel, very respected you know, NFL experts thinks that that's on the way for the Cardinals offense. And then he also takes a, a shot at the Cardinals franchise quarterback. We'll tell you who and what he said. It's all coming up. It's right here. The Locked On Cardinals podcast. So the Suns, yeah, they were dealt a pretty rough hand over this week with Chris Paul and the COVID-19 news. But the Phoenix Suns, they are in the Western Conference finals. Excuse me. <clears throat> anyway. Sixers, they're three-point dogs tonight against the Hawks. You've got the Jazz and the Clippers. They are uh, That game looks like it's going to be Clippers plus two. You want some of the action? Well, bet online's the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in full swing. Look, here's some betting insight. Beat, bet against the D-backs on the road. They can't win. You can track all the action on Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, tip basketball. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop, your cell. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. And don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in the game. Head over to the website, use your mobile device, and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You put in 100 bucks, you get 50 free dollars to help build your stack. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so we're back here, locked on Cardinals. Stephen Baca, we're going to round out that interview in the third segment today. Some really interesting things. Does Kyler Murray care about taking home some hardware? You're going to be surprised in Stephen Baca's uh, answer. Johnny Venerable continues with us here. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock. So 
Alex pointed this one out to me. Johnny, you brought it up as well. I'm going to play the audio. Ross Tucker's great podcast. Uh, he had one, Howard, Greg Cosell on. I think it was today. And he had some things to talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Just uh, listen. This is what he had to say. Kingsbury's background is air raid with four wide receivers. That's what he grew up with. Coaches coach what they know. He hasn't felt comfortable putting four wide receivers out there, meaning 10 personnel, one back and four wide. So what he's done over his first two years is play a lot more with tight ends and even two tight ends. But I think with what they did this offseason, Ross, with A.J. Green, with drafting Rondell Moore in the second round, I think what he feels now is he can line up and play the way he ultimately wants to. He can spread the field with four wide receivers. He has a quarterback that's incredibly dynamic as a runner, still needs to improve throwing the football. He has not been as good throwing the football as people might think, and that's based purely on tape study. But Kyler Murray is a dynamic runner. They're super effective in the red zone with their quarterback run game concepts. So I think I would expect to see them line up more out of 10 personnel, four wide receivers and one back. All right. Kind of a minute clip, but a lot to kind of take in there. Alex, go ahead. We are. Okay, Bo, I wanted I wish we could do an exercise in real time where every time Greg Cosell says Kyler Murray, you remove it and you put in Lamar Jackson. Tell me what the difference would be. He's talking as if Kyler Murray doesn't know how to throw a football. Now, listen, Greg Cosell is – his brain works differently than other humans do. He's been with NFL Films for 50 years, I think. Um, he's like the Hubie Brown of NFL commentary. Hubie Brown's just like this Don't zombie. I mean, he's been around for 50 Hubie years. Brown like that. Hey, Greg oh, Cosell, like, he loved Josh Rosen. Let's keep that in mind as we, as we, as we talk about his extensive film study. Okay, well, fair enough. I mean, Josh Rosen did have one great game against Texas A&M at UCLA. So um, the, the the breakdown I have here, but we talked about it, I believe, this week. The intermediate pass is what people are talking about. Sure. We have the dump down because that's the Cliff Baby special. The deep ball is there. He throws a very nice deep ball. The intermediate passing is is where the issue is, the shortcomings. And I'm not convinced that it's not scheme and not play calling to put him in the best situation to succeed. Now, that may just be me not being able to see the forest through the trees, but I think the jury's still out on how great Kyler Murray can be as a passer. I, mean, I, I do know he's better than what Greg Cosell just said he was. Yeah, I don't really know who he's comp- – like, the context there was was strange. Who are you comparing him to? Are you comparing him to, like, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson? Because I think we all agree, like, he's not on their level yet. God forbid he'd be improving, you know, into his second year – this is an individual who has had improvements in jumps and completion percentage, 64 to 67, 3,700 yards to almost 4,000 yards passing. Um, interceptions stayed consistent at 12, which doesn't bother me, but increased his, his touchdowns plus six last year. Next Gen did an advanced study for Mr. Greg Cosell. He's the third best deep ball thrower in the NFL. I, I'm not really sure where he's nitpicking outside of what Alex just, just mentioned. The intermediate passing game needs work. I, I just I think last offseason, because the hype train surrounding Kyler was unfairly just off the, the rails, that everybody is kind of taking subtle shots now and expects him to be Patrick Mahomes year two or, you know, Lamar Jackson MVP year two. And it's just like, hey, did you guys realize the Cardinals had the worst roster in the NFL when they drafted him in 2019? 
and he's got a college head coach and his college head coach was fired by his alma mater. I mean, can we, can we take a step back and just look at the fact that he put up over five, almost 5,000 yards in total offense, 40 plus touchdowns. Uh, it, to me, it's just, it's mind boggling when people just continually, you know, pile on this young man and just want him to be something that right now he's not, but it's still pretty damn good. It's still top 10 to 12 in the NFL. And I think that because he was the first overall pick and has unfairly been compared to teams and individual players that inherited Hall of Fame level head coaches like Andy Reid and John Harbaugh uh, for their respected teams, we just, he's supposed to snap his fingers and become, you know, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes overnight. Yes, the intermediate passing game is still a concern. I would argue, too, Alex, that it's a combination of personnel, which they went out, again, added a couple receivers, again, and then also interior pressure last year was an issue with Mason Cole, and Kyler was forced to, to, to step out of a, of a disjumbled pocket more often than not. Now he's got Rodney Hudson, who is a supremely gifted, maybe the most gifted pass-protecting center in all of pro football. Let's see if that helps the intermediate passing game. So I think that combination, we'll, we'll see you know a jump in production. Cliff has already mentioned that Kyler has mastered the offense. So uh, I'm, does anybody think Kyler's not going to improve this year? And if he does improve, that's going to mean 30-plus passing touchdowns, 4,000 yards. Is that good enough for Greg Cosell? I'm just curious. He's 23 years old, or he was last year. Um, it's just it's interesting to me because, again, you listen to Greg Cosell, and he's you know he's a big fan of like Daniel Jones and, and some of these really lesser-tier quarterbacks, and it just the nitpicking to me is, is outrageous right now. No, I completely, I completely agree. I mean, it, it, you you put Kyler Murray in. It, I feel like it's kind of like the 2016 Cardinals, where the national media was all on this bandwagon, and they felt like they were burned by their performance. And then you've got Kyler Murray last year. He's got the expectations. You've got the bar, you know, with an unrealistic expectation of him being Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, the third coming of that. And he has a decent season. He didn't win the MVP, and that's. That's the worst takeaway. He had 37 total touchdowns last year. He took a major jump, and people felt burned from that. But he's still in the conversation as far as his skill set as those guys. And then we see these rankings where Kirk Cousins is ranked ahead of him. It just doesn't It doesn't make sense. It's just a weird paradox that we're living in right now and how they're evaluating a, a player with the skill set of Kyler Murray. And what he's already done, He's he's each season, like he's a Heisman winner. He's the number one overall pick. He's your rookie offensive player of the year and then he's uh and then last year he takes a major jump he, he's he's answered the bell every time and now they're like oh he's gonna be stagnant in 2021 I, I don't understand that I don't yeah I wish we had more time to talk about it. Alex maybe yeah. some closing thoughts before we get to Stephen Baca yeah I mean just real quick like Kyler Murray is in front of everybody leading the charge on a complete culture shift for a bad organization absolutely you know so it's it's 2018 maybe made him look better in his rookie year than he was because there was a college affiliate team playing in Arizona Cardinals uniform for 2018. So it might've had the pedestal a little bit too high to begin with, but this is really the rebirth of the Arizona Cardinals starting now. And it's just unfortunate money wise that we've already had a couple of years of the quote unquote cheap deal, cheap portion of Kyler Murray's contract, but this is the beginning. This is not, you know, this is not coming to the end. Oh, no, what's going to happen? This is, you know, the rebirth of the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray's leading the way. 
kind of grosses me out when you put it that way, but it's very poetic at the beginning. And I was kind of shocked it came out of your I'm mouth. Sorry. I'm shocked your brain can't wrap your head around anything deep. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I, I didn't know. I can't even look at you right now. It's so well put. I, I don't. Even, it's never happened that. in the history of this podcast. <laughs> Johnny Venerable, he's going to join us next Friday. He's going to join us every Friday. Make sure you're following along on Twitter, at Johnny Venerable. Of course, reading his work, Revenge of the Birds, listening to him and Blake Murphy, Murphy on the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Stephen Baca joins us next. How Kyler Murray's been preparing for the 2021 season and more insight that the quarterback won't gift you, but his longtime friend and trainer will. It's coming up. It's Locked On Cardinals. Bet online, we told you about that. We love that's where we throw our action. Built Bar is where we like to get our nutrition, get our tastiness going on. It's where those worlds collide. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, always a limited time delicious flavor. Coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint, brownie. Our guy Mike, he told us he took the jump. He tried Built Bar and he's like, you guys are exactly right. This is the real deal. It's the truth. 17 grams of flavor of protein. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Using the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to part two of this great interview with Stephen Baca. The first one was yesterday. If you missed it, check it out on Apple Podcast. Check it out on Spotify, on Google Play, and probably in the thousands of retweets that we have on Twitter from it. Wishful thinking. Alex Lancey, Bullbrock, Locked on Cardinals. Follow the podcast and Locked on AZ Cards. Joining us again, longtime friend and trainer, Stephen Baca of Kyler Murray. Stephen Baca at Baca underscore Nation joining us here. Stephen, we talked about high school. We talked about college. Let's start. I want to ask you about the Dan Patrick interview. Hmm. And this is something that is such a huge misconception about who Kyler Murray is still. And I'm sure you can attest to that more than anybody. Um, what the hell happened? Yeah, I love it. I love the, I love the question. So, you know, let me start by saying this. My wife, my wife is an introvert. I'm an extrovert. <laughs> nobody under, nobody understands Kyler like my wife Amanda. She she'll always tell me when I say maybe I'll tell Kyler to come talk to these this group of kids at the school, and she'll say he don't want to do that. I wouldn't want to do that. There is there is something we need to appreciate about the fact that Kyler is not really the guy that wants to be on Front Street. He doesn't want the attention. He doesn't need everyone looking at him. He doesn't want to have a big crowd where he talks. That's the way he is. Now, I'm different. I'm in front of people all the time. I love talking. I love that. But I think we got to appreciate the subtleties. And here's, here's, one of my, here's one of my pet peeves about the NFL is we think, okay, this guy's a quarterback. Let's put him in a box of who he needs to be. He needs to fit in line with this guy. He needs to lead like this guy. He needs to be in the, on the front page screaming, talking to the media like this. Why? Why, why is that the way it's happening? If you're a guy that takes care of your business, your teammates love you, you handle your business off camera, why do you have to be a comedian or, or a, uh, a rah-rah guy on camera? So when the Dan Patrick interview happened, there's a couple things that are at play, right? Kyler has, has a piece of information that every single person wants to know. Are you going to play baseball or are you going to play football? He was not going to unveil that at that moment. Right in his best interest, he made. He's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing, and there's always a team of people around him that are making sure we're making great decisions together. 
and at that moment, there was no plans to unveil, am I going to play baseball or am I going to play football? Every interview on Super Bowl Road was a, uh, a witch hunt. Yeah, so, you know, very few people, I think, understand Kyler and, and his, uh, his personality like my wife. She is an introvert. She's not the biggest fan of crowds talking in front of people where uh, I'm the opposite. I, I love talking in front of people. That's part of my passion. It's what I do for a living. And so there'll be times where I'm like, hey, what, it's probably a great idea for Kyler to come talk to this group of kids. And, and Amanda, my wife, always like, no, I would hate to do that if I was him. So there is a piece of me that understands because of my wife. And here's the deal. I think, I think there's this weird pressure that gets put on the quarterback in the NFL. And we think this is the way he needs to be. He needs to operate like this. He needs to speak like this. He needs to rah-rah like this. And we, we, we have these thoughts of this is what a quarterback is when that really doesn't take into account the different people and the uniqueness that make them up that are playing that position. That's what I love about football is each guy's different and Kyler's different than each quarterback. He's unique. And, you know, so w- one of the things that I think surrounded that Dan Patrick interview is Radio Row in, 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 in the Super Bowl. Everybody wanted to know one question. Are you playing football or are you playing baseball? Kyler is a smart guy. He knows when to speak, when not to speak. He's got a team of people around him that, that we help uh, make good decisions and, and make sure that what we're doing is putting our best foot forward and then creating a platform that create, can, can create impact. That was not a weekend that he was ready to kind of unveil that information, right? And every question was circulated around, hey, are you going to play baseball? Where are you going to play football? Hey, but what are you going to do? Hey, but what are you going to do? And so what you saw is just he's a guy that's not going to BS you. He's not going to lie to you. He's not going to give you a bunch of fluff. So if you ask him and, and your your questions are surrounded one topic, he's probably going to give you the one-word answer that he knows he's supposed to say, which is, hey, I have made a decision yet. And so I think if, if there could have been – and obviously, Jim Patrick's the man. Like I'm, I'm not knocking his interview. Obviously, that's what everyone wanted to know. And so I understand why they were asking that. I mean, we've been talking about before, hey, this is going to be the question you get asked, obviously. Um, but I think there was so much pressure on that decision, and we won't want to find out what that is. Not, not enough about, like, hey, let's figure out you as a guy, as a person. And so, you know, in that when he's kind of backed into that corner of we're going to try 10 different strategies to get you to give us something about, about baseball or football. What you found is sort of a uncomfortable, like, one word answers, right? And that's yeah. that's really what it was. It was it was real. It's who he is. He's not he's not really super comfortable in, in a whole bunch of uh, cameras. You know, that, he's getting better. I'm not saying he's not comfortable in those positions, but when you're asking him to say something, he knows he's not going to say. That's probably what you're going to get. Yeah, no doubt about it. Stephen Baca, of course, friend of Kyler Murray's trainer, Baca Nation, Baca underscore Nation on Twitter. He joins us here on the Locked On Cardinals podcast. With all that being said, kind of understand the introvert nature of Kyler Murray. My wife's the same way too, by the way, Stephen. Very quiet, you know. But we we see the leadership qualities. You talked about it on yesterday's podcast. How he had the the guys in that Allen High School huddle believing the guys on the sideline, the guys at A and M in Oklahoma. Uh, 
do you see that translating to the the pro level? Do you think that guys are buying in and understand that he's going to be the one that's going to lead you with his play, not going to be rallying the troops on the sidelines, maybe like a guy like J.J. Watt's doing? 100%. And, and, you know, to that point, I think since the Dan Patrick interview, you would have to not be watching to see the maturity of how he handles conversations in public, right? He's gotten better and better and better as he's gotten older. you got to realize – the kid was 21 at that point, right? He's 21. He's, he's, he's only 24 years old. We think back to what we, where we were like as 24-year-old kids and how we would handle that. So, number one, of course, I see the, the, the subtle, quiet confidence where you look. If you're at the team and the guys in, the, in that locker room, they say, I know he's going to take care of his part, right? But I, I did see, you know, there were several moments last year where you looked in the sidelines and there was moments of intense leadership where he's calling guys out, where he's saying this is unacceptable, where he's speaking. And I think that goes to the point of efficiency. He's not going to be the guy that just says things to say things. And what I love about that is when he does speak, you know that what he's saying is important. And so I think not only are you going to see that leadership continue to mature, but I think we've already seen how he does have fire, he does have passion, but, man, it's just expressed differently than some guys. It's just not as boisterous and in front as some guys are there's a lot to him behind the scenes that he doesn't show simply because there may be no reason to right and so i don't think his purpose is let me let me draw a bunch of attention to me i think his purpose is let's make everybody better and if if that serves that purpose then i'm certainly going to do that and i think we saw plenty of moments on the sideline last year where you can point to and say wow that's a different side that's a fiery moment and so I don't think he's going to change. Uh, I think he's going to be who he is. And to me, if you're a Cardinals fan listening, you want Kyler operating at 100% Kyler efficiency. Because when he is who he is, he's number one. Number one does things on the field. He does things uh, athletically that you, you just never seen in your life. So there's no reason to say, hey, we want him to change. We shouldn't. We should embrace the person that he is, the way that he is, the leader that he is, the uniqueness that he is. And no, when he's operating in 100% Kyler, that's the best version of himself that he's going to bring to the field. That's what you want if you're in the Cardinals organization, and no different in my opinion. Yeah, well said, Stephen. Stephen Baca, a longtime friend and trainer, Kyler Murray, joining us here at Locked On Cardinals. Follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Card. Follow Bo at Bob Rack. Follow me at Clancy's Corner. Follow Stephen at Baca underscore Nation. You're right. I mean, the growth is obvious, and people don't see that aren't watching. Like, when – Going a a little deep into where Bo and I were on draft night when he got drafted, we both looked at each other, and with introverts, this happens. We're like, does he want to be here? And it was kind of jarring initially because you're looking at number one overall picks like Cam Newton and Andrew Luck with the big smiles and the big personalities. You're like, the Cardinals were a college football team in 2018. (laughs) Is he excited that he, you know, to come lead this organization that has a history of failure for the most part? And then you see my moment when I realized that Kyler had arrived was when he was asked questions about kneeling during the national anthem around the Black Lives Movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement during the offseason. And Bo and I are like, this dude is now an NFL quarterback. Like the dude, now it's not about the topic. It was about the bravado in his voice. And I wonder if you saw that growth too, or you've known him for so long that it was just a matter of time before it came out. Yeah, I think... What you're seeing there is, is a movement that he's passionate about, right? He's passionate about certain qualities and things, and when he is, he'll speak up and he'll say something again that's, that's, that you're going to want to listen to. 
um, I, I have seen an incredible maturity since I've been working with him, like night and day as a human, not just, not just athletically, because that's obvious, but in the way he relates to people. Here's one thing to, to, to note. When he comes in our training, uh, our facility, we have a small facility. We're not, we're not the most fancy place. We, we're, we, we consider ourselves the Walmart of training. We're going to do it cheaply, <laughs> and we're going to do it as best as we can, and we're going to train a whole bunch of kids. We're not oh. a big fancy facility where we train five kids. We train 300, we charge them a little bit, and we give them the best thing from their buck they can be. So we have a facility, and he comes in there, and there'll be a sixth grader working out, you know, 10 feet from him. Here's what I love about Kyler. That sixth grader, 10 times out of 10, wants to take a picture, wants an autograph, wants to bother him. There, There's high-profile guys that would be annoyed by that. Every time. Stops. Music off. Shakes hands. Picture. Talks. Ask what position he's playing. Relational. Like, that's the guy, and I tell him all the time, I tell him, the most proud I am of you, Kyler, is when you're impacting young people. I love when you play and, and, and your you know, MVP status getting up there. I love that. But I love the person way more. And so that maturity has always been there. But I think it, it's growing into him understanding, hey, I don't have to be anyone else. I don't have to please or do anything to make other people happy. And I think as humans, we all should be that way. We all should know this is the person I am. And no matter what kind of pressure I get from outside sources to be somebody that I'm not, I'm going to wholeheartedly uh, hold on to who I am and be unashamedly mean. So I love I love the connectability that he has, you know, not when the press is there and he's, you know, talking to pressers or he's getting interviewed, but when he's just being a human, like being a guy. He relates to these young kids that come in our facility. He makes their whole month, their life, signs whatever they want, takes a picture. And so that's the guy that I think, you know, in maturity has understood kind of the impact that he has, takes that seriously, and then owns that position. That, to me, is a leader. That's who he is. And so I've seen that maturity. I think I think every Cardinals fan has probably seen the maturity since he's been there going on year three. And I know that, you know, all he has from that side of things is, is, is the ceiling as far as the sky is the limit for him to grow. He's got so much room to continue to grow, but he's already grown so much, and I'm really proud of him for that. Have you been shocked that there's been, you know, a couple articles and just people questioning his work ethic this offseason? I love that. <laughs> I love, I, before I called you, Kyler FaceTimed me. No. In the summer, this is the deal. Yeah. He knows, I can train you when I can because I'm going to work 13 hours a day. And maybe one day in the future, you know, we'll see if, if things change. But the summer is like, that's primo time. We, we're training all day. And he knows the deal. Like, what? I think that's funny. Like, what kind of Heisman guy would understand that he's not my top priority at times? <laughs> right. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like, like, you would think, but, but, but we're guys, he understands that. He FaceTimed me just now and said he's back for a few weeks or however long he facetimed me hey can you meet me at the facility i'm like kyler i'm in traffic it's five o'clock i woke up at 4 45 <laughs> i gotta get him at four again i have a two-month-old child and a 20-month-old child like i can't today dude i got that's just the way it is there has not been one day the question to work at it it's, it's ridiculous there's not been one day since he graduated high school that he's in town He's available that he hasn't texted me and said, 
What time? What time? What time? Saturday. What time? Kyler, look. I got to spend time with my family at some point, dude. Like, I love you, man, but I got to hang out with my wife. She's going to divorce me if I don't, if I leave so much. So I think it's funny. You know, we're, we don't, we're not, I'm not a big documenter. I don't film in and throw them up on my feeds, you know, 24-7. And he's not really that way either. So the, when people, when I saw someone say, hey, like, what we, we what has he been doing? He hasn't been working. I'm like, wait, what? What? <laughs> Why would that be the assumption? Right. Like I said, when the whistle blows, there is nobody that takes it more seriously, that works more intentional. That's the best word you can describe. Intentional. That works more intentional than this dude. And it's a nonstop, relentless addiction to being the best. He wants to be the greatest. And, I, you know, I, I, I said this in, in, in an interview last year. There was one moment where I told him, you know, Hey, listen, MVP status is what we're working for. And he stopped me and he said, Not care. I don't care about that. I'm, I want Super Bowls. This is the guy he is, man. He, he wants to win. He loves winning. There's nothing in life he loves winning more. We, we, we go bowling together. He's talking so much trash about beating me. <laughs> and if he wins, it's nonstop on my head. When we play chess, he wins. Madden, all he wants to do is win. And so he knows Anything that he can do to get that competitive edge, he's going to do. The, the work ethic questioning, man, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. I have to make sure that we, we have the proper recovery for him. Because from a sports performance standpoint, there is a law of diminishing returns. Right? If we work body into the ground, we're not going to get the most out of it. right? So I, I'm having to put the brakes on him. Hey, look, man, this day is a rest day. Sit at home. Take it, take it off. Don't throw. We need your body to get acclimated and recovered. So it's just it's just crazy that that's even a talking point uh, because I've got I've got six years of evidence to, to to go against that. Just for the record, we agree with you. <laughs> just just for the record, we agree with you. Stephen Bach, a longtime friend and trainer of Kyler Murray, joining us here on Lockdown Cardinals. Alex Mancy Bobrock, follow Stephen at Baca underscore Nation. Let's fast forward here. We can talk football. We can talk X's and O's all day, but. We watch Kyler, and we've seen plenty of film, and so has everybody who listens to our podcast. That's not what we're here for. I want to ask you specifically. The biggest play in his career so far, you know, with the biggest lights on it, was the Hail Murray. The Hail Mary at the end of the game. Okay, the the play was cool. It was super weird that he didn't see the play. He turned around, and all he did was put his hands up. Who cares? When I saw who Kyler Murray was, was the sentence, and I'm going to botch it, but I'll say I'm paraphrasing, after the game, during the, during the press conference, he said, to win a game and then get to go play video games with my friends, that's a good day. And that's it. And that was the mic drop. What the hell is he talking about? There was no excitement. Nothing. I mean, that was one of the most. And now we got nominated for best play uh, for the Espies. I think that was today or yesterday. Is there ever a sentence that describes Kyler Murray more than that one? <laughs> No, there's really not. And, and this is this is the part, you know, there were several people, scouts from different teams that contacted me and asked about Kyler. And I told them this every time. This is the best guy to lead your franchise. Here's why. He cares about winning more than anything else. He'll eat, sleep, and breathe football. And when he's not playing football, he'll be in his room playing video games or sleeping. Here's my question. 
Why more do you want? What would you want your guy to do? Do you want him out running around causing trouble in the streets? Do you want him going to clubs, doing things? That's the thing. As soon as an athlete does that, what do we all say? Oh, he's not focused. Look at him. He's partying. So we can't have it both ways, right? We can't get mad at guys that go out in the town and do things and then also criticize guys who are just about their business. Tyler is a guy who is business focused. He wants to win. He wants to eat, sleep, and breathe football. And when he's not doing that, he wants to play video games. If it's me that I have a franchise and I have an option, I got a quarterback who is ultra talented, who's a uh, a guy who's a subtle leader. He doesn't draw attention to himself. He's going to always control his business. He's going to perform and bring it every day. He's going to eat, sleep, breathe, winning. And when he's not here, I know he's going to be in his room. <laughs> to me, that's the best of both worlds. Like, what more would you want out of your guy? You know he's not going to go do something stupid and get hurt. He's not going to get in trouble. Like, those are the things that I think Cardinals fans, if I can speak to them directly, I think you should be appreciative of that rather than sit and question and be like, man, what's up with this guy? Be appreciative that the only thing he cares about is winning. Whether that's playing a video game or playing football, he just cares about winning. And outside of that, he's going to sleep. Like, he's never going to worry. I love it. We could, we could interview Steven Baca all day. Tremendous insight. I highly recommend you check out yesterday's episode where we talked to him mainly about the amateur years, high school and college, and then today more about his NFL years. And one more question. I just want another Texas boy I want to bring into the conversation before we let you go uh, because I don't feel like Cardinals fans know enough about their relationship. They're tied at the hip because they came into the organization at the same time. But do you have any insight, Steven, on the relationship between Kyler Murray and head coach Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah, I know that uh, when he was at Allen, Cliff made a really good relational equity build trust. He really built a lot of trust with Tyler. I know that Kyler told me, hey, I really love this guy. When he was junior, senior, he really, really and, – and I think there was a lot of um, a lot of speculation to whether he was going to go to Tech just because of Cliff. And that speaks to the relationship that he had with Cliff. He spoke highly of him since he was a junior and there was a really big moment when, when, when Cliff was going to get hired and we didn't know what was going to happen that that was kind of like oh my gosh I could be with the guy that I really wanted to be with in college and that was that was kind of a guy that he had created such a relational bond you know that recruiting that recruiting piece you know kind of can get tough and, and you can kind of have the head coaches that call you and there's some that really strike a chord with you relationally and I think that was what I could say about Cliff and Kyler is he spoke to that relational ability that Cliff had to connect with them, that he really saw value in their friendship and in their relationship. So when those two, you know, were going to get together in the NFL, I thought it was a perfect match. I was super excited for both of them. And I know that, that Kyler thinks super highly of Cliff, loves the guy. They've got a great relationship. And I'm really excited to see that relationship continue to grow and, and what they can do on the field in year three. Tremendous insight. This can't be the last time we have him on the podcast. Stephen Baca, of course, follow him on Twitter at Baca underscore nation. Of course, check out performancecourse.com. Man, Stephen, thank you so much, man. We appreciate all this. And like I said, we got to do it again. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Anytime, anytime.